0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Simple Electronics, and with me, I have a very special guest today, Johnny Bergdahl. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I'm on my vacation, so I'm, uh, I'm better than normal.
0: Awesome. Um, usually, I know a lot about my guests and I ask them to introduce themselves so that the uh, listeners get a little bit of a taste of them. But in this case, I don't know that much about you. So um, you can introduce yourself to me and the, the listeners.
1: Yeah, that uh, might be a little uh, you know, strange. I do have a YouTube channel, but I I never actually uh, made any decent attempts to do any YouTube videos. But I still got 56k subscribers with 7 million views. So there you go. I'm... Uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm calling myself a maker, trying to uh, mess with the electronic stuff uh, for my free time as well. So that's that.
0: What, what aspect of uh, electronics most uh, interests you?
1: I think it's, uh, it's more the software side uh, of it to make, uh, to make dumb boards do smart stuff. But uh, I think it's my background as a software developer shines through.
0: Do you have any examples of um, like particularly dumb boards that you've made do particularly smart things?
1: Nah, it's more like uh, uh, making systems out of it. Uh, I've been playing around uh, a lot with the home assistant and uh, solving small problems like uh, when I... Uh, I realized that I always forgot to to shut off my uh, soldering station. I I made uh, a board with a a PIR sensor and hooked it up to a D1 mini and made a 3D printing uh, enclosure. This took like two weeks to make, just to make sure that uh, it shuts off. I could have bought a, a, a power plug with a built-in PIR, PIR sensor instead, but yeah.
0: But but that's half the fun, though, is making something custom to your Yeah, needs. Cer- certainly. So how did that how did that go? Basically, uh, as soon as the PIR detects uh, pre- your presence, it allows the iron to be on, and then whenever it times out, it just turns it off.
1: Uh, it, it works by sending MQTT messages to Home Assistant that, uh, in turn, uh, uh, controls uh, some son of switches uh, to turn on or off. Okay. So um, I, I have to be in the room uh, and be detected. Then it's allowed to be on. And if I leave the room, it shuts, uh, shuts everything off uh, after 15 minutes.
0: I've heard quite a few people work with those MQTT messages. Um, can, can you give us a little rundown about how that works, how MQTT works?
1: Yeah, MQTT is a, a protocol that is used in IoT devices. It's, uh, it's basically a TCP uh, connection with a protocol that is uh, standardized. And uh, part of the protocol says that uh, you, you publish messages to a topic and uh, in the other end, uh, several other devices and computers can listen to a specific uh, topic. And in the message payload, you, you send the actual data that you can then can uh, inspect. In, uh, for instance, uh, Home Assistant. Uh, Home Assistant has a plugin for MQTT. And uh, they uh, use uh, JSON format for the payload, so it's easy to parse
0: where would you rank that as uh, in terms of project wise, would you say that's sort of like beginner can get that done? Or is it more of an intermediate or uh, kind of expert?
1: If, if you are using uh, uh, something already made like, uh, like home assistant uh, it should be quite easy to get, uh, for instance, in D, D1 Mini to talk to it. But uh, if you don't have the other side of it that, uh, that's intended to react to it, it would be a bit more involved, I think.
0: Because then you'd have to program your own Home Assistant type software then, right?
1: Yeah. And also Home Assistant uh, has a plugin called uh, Node-RED uh, where you can graphically uh, make uh, workflows and uh, that can also be connected to the MQTT server and, and uh, react uh, it's it's uh, an easy way to set up more complex rooms what's ha- what would uh, happen because you can uh, take several inputs and and uh, and, and do uh, quite complex workflows with that one instead
0: yeah um another maker is actually telling me that i should be using node red for a lot more of my projects but i still haven't even dipped my toes in it yet so i, I need to get on that at some point
1: yeah it's a, it it's a, a battle uh, to get started with it but uh, when you get uh, s- suddenly the coin drops down and you ah now I get it then it's much easier
0: How's uh, how's life in Sweden these days is everything back to normal or not quite
1: Yeah they left uh, they lifted the uh, the last of the uh, the, the heavy uh, Components of, of the, the COVID uh, stuff. We have uh, we have over fifty percent uh, vaccinated uh, already, so it, it's uh, it, it's looking. Uh, <laughs> I I shouldn't say good because the Delta variant is, is very close in, in Europe. We don't have uh, uh, have it here yet, uh, but we we know it's coming. So uh, basically. Uh, it's almost back to normal. Uh, the nightclubs are not open, but uh, uh, everything else, in, in principle,
0: is that affecting your daily day to day life that the uh, nightclubs aren't open.
1: Well, I I, I used to <laughs> visit those places, so I miss them.
0: I guess uh, I'm I'm just so antisocial that really there's there's not much difference to me whether we're locked down or not. The only like good thing I could say is that. All my teaching this semester uh, just started uh, last week is now in class so we're still using masks and keeping apart but at least now we're back in the school and especially when I'm teaching things like um, computer skills to tradespeople, people um, doing it online is near impossible so I'm, I'm happy about that but other than that like I don't really I, I don't like people so I stay away from them
1: yeah Yeah, I I, uh, had a a colleague that uh, got COVID and he nearly died. So I uh, went into self-isolation voluntary for, uh, I think it was six months. But now I'm fully vaccinated. So now I'm I'm trying to get back to normal.
0: But you do software for a living. So I guess it was a little bit easier for you to self-isolate, right?
1: Yeah, it was very easy. I have uh, the office in my home as well. So,
0: what kind of uh, what kind of computer system you're using for for work? Do you have uh, some sort of Baller Ryzen system? Or are you still an Intel purist?
1: I uh, use a Mac Pro from uh, 2013.
0: Oh no, <laughs> that's like that's like the least interesting option you could have picked.
1: <laughs> I do have a Windows server where I run uh, virtual machines. So uh, my daily work uh, involves uh, developing Microsoft software so I, I do that in virtual machines instead.
0: Yeah, probably better to have some sort of sandbox that you could uh, revert if anything goes wrong. Huh?
1: Yeah, it was a real pain uh, say 10 years ago when uh, when I had a lot of different uh, customers and uh, Every, every setup needed uh, some kind of driver for like, uh, you, you need this driver because that customer has Oracle version six. And then the other customer had Oracle version eight and uh, I couldn't, uh, install the, the software in the same machine. So I had to uninstall and install when I switched between the customers. That was a real pain.
0: Yeah. That sounds absolutely terrible.
1: Then I started making virtual machines so I could install exactly the correct software and just turn that machine off when I'm not using it. So that got very much easier.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't, I don't do anything uh, nearly that demanding, but even like keeping, um, you know, like Arduino boards and libraries installed uh, and sometimes doing version control for different projects, that's a pain enough i can't imagine having to deal with different drivers that aren't compatible with each other
1: yeah arduino is uh it's quite painful when you have to switch between projects that need uh, the driver or the library's uh, version uh, uh, like when uh, the json library changed so uh, you, you, uh, you pull up your, your code that worked uh, uh, the last time, but you have uh, uh, installed a new w- version of the library, and now you, you can't even compile your own code. That, that's yeah. really painful. But that's, That is uh, painful. Yeah, that's something that they're taking care about in, in, uh, in, in the other environments you can run.
0: Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I'm at the point where I try to avoid updating as much as I can until I'm completely done a project and moved on to the next one. And then I'll force the updates before I start the next one because or else it just becomes like, like terrible. And I'm, I think I'm starting now too, to add the library versions in the comments of my code because or else I, I'm not going to know what worked. Like, how do I know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I had this problem uh, when I got uh, Dustin Watt's uh, free touch deck that, uh, uh, it, that needed exact versions of uh, specific things and uh, also he, he uh, had made changes to some libraries himself so you had to download it from his github repository instead so that way uh, it, t- it takes some time to set it up before you can compile it
0: Yeah, I actually designed a a board for Dustin Watts' uh, free touch deck, because I didn't have the same ESP32 as he did. But the only reason that I've been like so dragging my feet on the project, because first of all, I messed up the first set of boards. So I had to order another set and that kind of sent me back. But now I don't remember how I installed everything. So I have to go back around, like wipe the ESP and start from scratch or else I won't be able to show people what I've done. So... Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pain in the butt, but at the very least, he developed a really cool project.
1: Yeah, I bought his uh, his board uh, uh, touchdown, so I actually have uh, the first working uh, uh, board that uh, is that he sold. So uh, he 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 made uh, he, he made a point of it uh, and marked it number two. So. The first one is screwed up so he couldn't sell it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love the, I actually, I really love his channel. I think it's extremely underrated, but I think soon enough people will catch on and his numbers will grow as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I try to support makers uh, of all kinds. I'm a, I'm a Patreon and GitHub supporter and, uh, yeah, and so on for several different makers.
0: Can you name a couple that uh, are particularly cool?
1: Yeah, Unexpected Maker is is always uh, fun to follow. Uh, Yeah, Sion's awesome. Maybe a little too much rants, but (laughs) that works for me. I do support uh, Fusil, who's making the OctoPrint uh, software, for instance, since I do a lot of uh, 3D printing as well. I have uh, two uh, 3D printers with uh, Octoprint running, so I'm a monthly, uh, uh, I think she uses Patreon. And I also support uh, Brian Locke uh, on Github, that was uh, an interesting uh, one where Github started uh, this, they uh, they, uh, uh, added, they doubled the amount, so if you paid uh, uh an amount uh, every month GitHub doubled it Uh, for the first year I think it was
0: yeah that's really good and he he actually he now says like you know don't 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 bother supporting me or whatever because that deal is is over now but his video still says that that deal is up so he he wants to clarify that you know people shouldn't feel obliged to support him but I think he deserves it so there's that
1: Yeah, I support Bitlooney and it says the same things. But uh, Brian Locke is uh, working on a a YouTube live stream uh, API now. So that's interesting for me since, uh, yeah, I'm I'm more or less known as the guy who is in all live streams.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Actually, we wanted to talk about that. So what what do you get out of live streams? What do you you like about live streams? Because, yeah, you are in nearly all of them.
1: Yeah, this, this started out uh, more or less uh, when I started self-isolation. So uh, it was a way for me to, to get some social uh, outlet. But then it, it became uh, something else. <laughs> I quite enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and you get, you get attention too because all the streamers, they, they see you over and over in their streams. So they, um, they literally mention you by name in the, in the live streams all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm also a moderator everywhere, so
0: <laughs> not yeah, sure I gave why. you Mod as well.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Um, so so let's let let's talk a little bit of uh, let's talk politics then. Which which live streamer is your favorite? How about that?
1: Favorite? Uh, I must be a bit lonely, but that's because he he's uh, doing uh he's very long and and uh, yeah his his live streams are crazy. <laughs> he's not afraid of making mistakes like when he he, uh, he was making a, a pcb on his cnc and uh, after two hours we realized it was it was mirrored <laughs> he, he, he was routing the wrong side of the board so it would never uh, work
0: oh yeah i think i was there too that was a that was a pretty good moment I, but i think I think that stream was only about six or seven hours, but he's done like like ones that were close to ten recently. It was it's crazy.
1: Yeah, he just sits down and, and uh does it his uh, thing for for like a full day, a full work day. <laughs> and we we are there to watch him. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, because recently I uh, I tuned into his live stream and then the wife and I went for a walk around the neighborhood, came back. He was still streaming. Then I had to go to work. I went to work. I came back and he was still streaming. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And if uh, anyone's wondering, it's uh, it, it, Bitlooney has a separate channel for live streams. I'll put the link in the description below. You guys can check it out and you'll probably see uh, Johnny there too. Probably. Yeah, very likely.
1: So... But Bitlooney is streaming on his on his uh, other channel, so it's not the name, uh, the, his uh, video channel.
0: Yeah, Bitlooney's trash, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I've always wondered if if a second channel is necessary for live streams. I, I think at this point, I'm not big enough to warrant a, a second channel, but I think what he's doing is he's trying to shield the people that like the high quality, highly produced videos from the live streams. But I mean, I think he should embrace it personally.
1: Yeah, uh, Sion is uh, unexpected. Maker is uh, doing everything on his, uh, his single channel, but he was talking about splitting, uh, splitting it up as well because his channel stopped stopped uh, growing. And uh, he, he's, he's suspecting that it's uh, because he, do, he does a live stream every week, so and uh, he hasn't had any time to do a, any real normal videos. So uh, when people go to his channel, they see, oh, it's a live stream channel. I'm not interested, and then they leave.
0: Yeah, that is entirely possible. Um, but at the same time, I mean, his live streams are pretty entertaining as well. So, I mean, a- and you know, from what I've heard of a lot of YouTubers, uh, a lot of people's channels have slowed down or stopped growing in the last uh, couple of months. I think it's because lockdowns are ending and people have less free time. Maybe.
1: Who knows? Might very well be. My channel is uh, totally dead. So uh, I'm going backwards. Uh, I had uh, 57k subs uh, before uh, before the summer. I don't have that anymore. I'm down to 56.6. And also I, I only get uh, like a couple of uh, thousand views a month now. Uh, before I had like 100,000, 200,000. So it's a big difference. The algorithm uh, has left me, divorced me.
0: It's time to make new videos, time to take time lapses of your 3D prints or something.
1: Yeah, those time lapses I put out was just a test to see if I could make the algorithm wake up, but it it didn't work. Could just as well uh, bring them down again. They're not very good.
0: So tell us about your, your channel then. What, uh, what possessed you to take a video of, I think your, your highest one is about a, uh, uh, a board mill CNC. W- what possessed you to take a, take a video of that and put it on? Uh, it's,
1: it's actually uh, not a CNC uh, or a mill. It's actually a printer. So it, uh, it, it prints with silver ink on, uh, on uh, breadboard material. But uh, uh, it was actually a Kickstarter, so I was the first one in Europe that had one of those machines. So I thought, well, I could make a video of it and publish it so people could see it working. So I think I was one of the the first uh, uh, people that actually published a YouTube video about it. But uh, I uploaded it to YouTube and uh, no one was watching it because I had no uh, subscribers. But then a couple of months later, uh, the Electro magazine in in Europe, they have uh, websites in in several different languages like English, French, uh, Dutch and uh, German and they picked up uh, uh, the machine itself and they used my video as an illustration. And then I got uh, I think I got one hundred thousand views for one day, and I was like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" <laughs> but then uh, uh, it all went uh, went down to to nearly zero per day. but then suddenly the uh, YouTube algorithm uh, picked it up and connected it to some some other videos that uh, that got uh, popular. So it, it, it went viral and uh, I was waiting uh, to uh, get one million views before I activated the monetization. But uh, when, uh, I went, when I got to one million, I clicked the button and asked YouTube, uh, yeah, give me the money. And uh, they, they took so, so much time. So I actually had three million views before uh, the monetization started. That was kind of odd. Uh, there was change, uh, they were changing the rules uh, uh, about monetization uh, at the same time. So, so something uh, strange happened there. But uh, I, I actually uh, got all my money back from uh, purchasing the, uh, the Volterra machine from uh, YouTube.
0: Well, that's a good sign. Yep. Yeah. I say um, these days when I do a mailbag video and it's five items, if I got an item uh, under $2 USD, uh, that mailbag video paid for one item. So that's just to, just to let you guys know how, how little ad revenue when you don't get very many views. It's not a lot.
1: It's very, very little and uh, uh, my views were mainly coming from Asia. and. Uh, uh, the payment uh, for ads in Asia is much less than uh, in uh, the U.S. for instance. So it's a big difference, it's it's like uh, uh, four times as much money in uh, in the U.S. I have some uh, videos where I I show off uh, uh, my CNC mill, Uh, not not that many views but uh, uh, the the uh, the amount i get for ads for that it, it that's uh, five uh, five times as much as the other video uh, per 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 1000 per, uh, views do you
0: actually use the uh, pcb mill very often or is the cheaper like you know ordering pcbs so much better now
1: yeah it's very much better I I have an order now uh, at JLC uh, and uh, I hope it comes before the week is is done. Uh, and uh, the cost is so much less. Uh, the uh, the silver ink uh, for the Voltaire is very expensive. So uh, it's much cheaper if you can wait for a few days to get it from uh, JLC PCB or PCBWay way or something.
0: Yeah, I would tend to I would tend to agree on that one because uh, I mean, I have I have dreams of etching and milling my own boards, but at the same time, it's it's going to be just for fun. Practically speaking, it's way easier to upload a board to uh, PCBWay or JLC, and uh, and have it you know have it shipped here. Because even the first boards I made, they were through JLC. They were not sponsored at all, and it was still it was like I think it was uh, like twenty bucks or something for the ten boards and the shipping. So it was like. It was cheap.
1: Yeah, it's crazy cheap. So
0: Yeah, and Canadian dollars are not worth anything. So, I mean, they might as well have been fake money for, for all they're concerned.
1: <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know. We have uh, uh, Swedish crowns here. That, that works for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, worth a bit less than uh, Canadian dollars even. Right. Swedish krona. To CAD.
1: I have no it's... idea how much Canadian money is worth.
0: Yeah, so one Swedish krona is 15 Canadian cents. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, everything's different because I think the cost of living is a bit higher in Sweden than it is in Canada, so it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was young, it was very easy because uh, what, what, uh, 10, 10 krona was uh, $5 or uh, Fifteen pounds. That was a difference be- between the U.S. and the U.K. That difference is much, much less now.
0: Oh yeah, I've actually recently learned about a Swedish tradition. Um, do you do you practice uh, fika? Yeah. So can you explain to the uh, to the to the listeners what fika is?
1: Yeah, fika is when you you go visit someone and uh, you sit there and have a cup of coffee and and uh, cookies. And then you speak about uh, the world and, and all your problems. It's basically its it's a social thing.
0: What's your favorite uh, fika snack?
1: Uh, it's mostly work i I do I only do fika with uh, with the uh, coworkers so
0: oh, I see I see is there is there something that you prefer to to eat during fika or is it more chatting?
1: Uh, I like uh, uh, puffy things with sugar on. like donuts
0: yeah well as a Canadian we know donuts we have a whole like Canadian franchise about it which is no longer owned by Canadians but doesn't matter we're we're donut people here
1: yeah we have like uh, cinnamon buns and stuff uh, as well and uh, cookies
0: are you a tea or a coffee guy I'm a coffee guy yeah me too any uh, specific type
1: no not really not not uh not too strong gotcha that's the only thing
0: and uh during the a little bit of a pre-conversation we had you said you were a car guy and i think the listeners know by now that i'm a car guy so um, what do you what do you got
1: Uh, nowadays i have more expensive cars than in my youth but i actually had 14 beetles when i was younger Now I have a, a winter car and a summer car, and the summer car is a, a 2011 Ford Mustang with a 5-liter V8 engine, 420 horsepowers. And the uh, winter car is an Audi S6 with a 4.2-litre V8 engine and 4-wheel drive, and that's a really, really nice car. But that, that's a, a very old car on the other, hand, it's not expensive
0: which one's faster in a straight line the mustang or the audi
1: yeah the mustang but the audi uh, has a a higher uh, top speed
0: oh yeah and i don't honestly i don't think i would drive the mustang anywhere higher than 100 kilometers an hour they're a little bit scary
1: well i actually drove it on understarts raceway it's an old uh, formula one track in sweden that was uh, exciting it it also was raining (laughs) so it was double exciting
0: Exciting or terrifying, because uh, if that thing has a live rear axle, that would be terrifying. Well,
1: well, <laughs> uh, both, I would say.
0: So what's your, what, what, was, what would be your dream car today? Like, say, if you had, if you could pick any car, just you don't have to pay for it, but, you know, it has to be something you're going to actually drive. What car would it be?
1: I would say the Mustang.
0: Really? You just, you would just head down to your garage, hop in the Mustang and, and head out. That would be it. Yes. Fancy.
1: I have a friend who has uh, uh, a Lamborghini or something. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure even what model it is. It's so so super expensive to own. It's 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 a fortune just to for the insurance every, every year. So I I don't uh, see the point. It's also very uh, troublesome to, to get out of the car <laughs> when you're you're getting uh, older.
0: Oh, for sure. So
1: I, I really like the uh, the, the Mustang because it, it's a it's an ordinary car. It has a door. You open it and you just sit down. And then uh, it's a convertible, so I can flip down the top uh, if the sun is shining. So it's really nice.
0: We we usually make fun of Fords here for for not being reliable at all. <laughs> just so you know.
1: Yeah, I had a problem with it last summer. Uh, I couldn't get the top down. No, I couldn't get the top up. So I had to go to the the shop and and ask them uh, how can I get it up now that the the electronics stopped working. It turns out you can't at all. There was no mechanical way of of raising the the top uh, as as a reserve. So uh, I had to leave the car in in the shop and uh, they uh, switched out a, a, a motor. Uh, it was actually nothing wrong with the with the top or the motor for the top. It was uh, a, a problem with, with a, a sensor uh, för the, the rear uh, window and uh, oh, they switched yeah. out the motor. That, then it turned out it, they had to switch out the other motor as well. Because the controller was in the other side or uh, I, I'm not really sure, but it, it, it took them five weeks to fix. It was COVID wow. times, and and uh, there were no spare parts in, in Europe at all. So I had to order it from the U.S. And uh, shipments from U.S. was not fun at that time at all. There was almost no planes flying, uh, etc.
0: Wow, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I was really shocked to see that there was no way to get the top up if the engine, uh, if if the if the motor wasn't uh, cooperating. So it was very odd.
0: So, uh in a funny turn turn of events, I'm I actually drive a Volvo on my my daily drive. So it, it feels like our roles are reversed cuz I'm from North America and and driving a Swedish car, you're from Sweden driving a North American car. It's kind of bizarre, huh?
1: Yeah, also I never ever owned a Volvo. <laughs> but uh I I used to say that I I was made in a Volvo. So that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think right now my reasonably priced uh, sports car of, of choice would probably be something like the V70R because I drive a V70, like just a like one model above the base model. But I think uh, the R line would be a great great car to pick up. And I was very impressed on how inexpensive the parts actually are because here usually European cars cost us a lot to fix, but not so with this Volvo. So yeah, V70R I think is my reasonably priced sports car at the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, mu- it's very much uh, cheaper to have a Volvo here because uh, used parts are, are dirt cheap, so uh, the, the, uh, the, the youngsters we have here that are, are, are car people, uh, uh, I'm not sure you have something like this in Canada, but uh, we call them uh, raggers. Uh, they, they uh, drive around and, and uh, make sounds um, they, they play they have uh, like uh, 200 watts uh, uh, audio systems and, and uh, just drive around to annoy people I think uh, they, they come from uh, small uh, communities outside the city not, not sure uh, uh, if that's a Swedish thing uh, or if, if other countries ha- has that uh, as well. But they um, all drive
0: the Volvos. Huh. Like old Volvos or like newer Volvos? Like what what year range nah, are we talking say, about? Say uh, 15
1: to 20 years old.
0: Okay, yeah. So we have a similar community here, but uh, we call them uh, ricers. And typically they just modify their vehicles in obnoxious ways, like put big rims drop their cars all the way to the ground and put big sound systems and typically the cars are still pieces of garbage but uh, yeah they make a lot of noise and they're about 15 20 years old same same deal
1: uh, look and it. So- sounds exactly the same
0: especially yeah, except- the
1: annoying part
0: oh yeah oh for sure and the, the best part is like when you're when you're young the insurance to drive a car is very expensive here and when you keep, like, modifying your car so that the car is annoying, the police can easily identify you out of the crowd. So whenever you do something wrong, you're definitely going to get pulled over. So it's it's pretty funny they're, like, advertising that, that they should be pulled over.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing here. But we actually uh, changed the law here a couple of months ago to... Uh, make it possible to find them for being annoying. Oh really if they play too loud music they, they can now be, be fined.
0: See we have uh, uh, noise ordinances but they're not specific to to vehicles you can still get fined if your car is too loud but uh, basically you know after 11 pm if you're making over a certain amount of decibels you can be you can be fined so I guess I guess people you know that's how they do that here.
1: I guess I would be fine when I pull out my uh, uh, Mustang. Then, the first uh, thing I I done I I, I bought the, the Mustang when it, it had only uh, been driven for 500 miles, and the first uh, thing I I done was uh, to change the exhaust system. I wanted the sound.
0: <laughs> You're one of those.
1: I might, you... I might uh, ha- have gotten a little bit uh, overboard with the sound though.
0: <laughs> Do you have uh, kilometers per hour in your speedometer or is it like a, like, like a straight up, is, like is it an American import or is it specifically built for Europe?
1: No, it was, uh, was actually not um, possible to uh, buy Mustang in, in um, Europe uh, until I think it was 2016 or something like that before that okay. you have to import it from the US uh, but we have a law uh, that says uh, that you you have to have uh, kilometers per hour uh, in the car so uh, okay. there are uh, there are uh, uh, speedometers that uh, with, with uh, the correct scale, scales uh, to buy so i had to uh, swap that out as well i bought yes. it off a uh, 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 shop uh, shop that uh, Uh, Imports like uh, 15 Mustangs uh, every year. They go over to Florida and and, uh, buy uh, the fully equipped ones with the right price and bring back.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: This is Um, my uh, third Mustang I bought from them. Really? Yeah.
0: So here in Canada, we work in kilometers an hour and then south of the border in the US, they use miles an hour. So typically the Canadian um, speedometers will have kilometers per hour along the outside. And then on the inside, we'll have miles per hour. And the American cars will typically have the opposite. They'd have miles per hour on the outside and kilometers per hour on the inside, except for my Volvo. My Volvo only has kilometers per hour. So I assume it's the same speedometer they use in uh, Europe
1: then. Yeah, surely. I think the only one of my Mustangs had the dual one.
0: Oh, interesting. Because, Otherwise it was because just when, I, when
1: I got the car, they, they just went to the registration office and got it cleared, and they had to to tape small dots over over the miles per hour because that was the bigger the bigger digits, so only the inner digits were with the kilometers per hour was visible. Oh, I see. So it was kind of stupid because you just removed the tape and then uh it, it's uh, as you never did anything so.
0: i have a I have a friend from sweden that uh that i met through my wife he's uh he's a friend of uh my wife because he's always in her uh, her stream but uh, he says regulation in sweden has gone nuts like it's just it's absolutely ridiculous i don't know if, do you agree with that
1: uh, regulation about what
0: he says pretty much everything, all the rules are really strict.
1: No, I don't agree, especially no? if, uh, for cars, uh, the regulations uh, is much less than uh, when I was young. you can, uh, you can uh, customize cars uh, in much uh, better ways now than you could ever do uh, when I was young. We had really really hard uh, rules that were back then.
0: Okay, uh, like I could uh, basically maybe a lot of the regulation he has to deal with is specific to his industry, but I don't want to dox him by saying which industry he works in. I think that's kind of private, but uh, yeah, it's good to know that not all of Sweden is, uh, you know, a regulation nightmare, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so, you... I'm not sure. I've I, I never, uh, never seen anything in that direction, so. Maybe I'm the wrong person to, to express any opinion.
0: Are you saying you don't represent all of Sweden?
1: I represent all of Sweden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least in live streams.
0: So how's, uh, how's the king of Sweden doing then if you represent them all?
1: Uh, the king of Sweden is doing fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, with his uh, he has dogs, doesn't he? Isn't he famous for having dogs or something? Yeah. Do you have any um, electronics projects that you're hoping to work on in the near future?
1: I am uh, working on a, uh, I made a little, uh, a little competition with myself to see if I could set up uh, a lighting uh, controller for uh, uh, for Wi-Fi. So I designed uh, a PCB now, uh, but the the uh, the objective was to only use stuff I already have in my in my stock. That that made it uh, uh, quite a bit harder, so. It's a it's a four channel relay board uh, that I intend to hook up to Home Assistant, and uh, I I was done yesterday, so I sent over the uh, the uh, PCB files to JLC PCB. So I hope uh, I will get them before Friday.
0: Nice, and then you're gonna put them together and hope that revision one is the correct revision
1: exactly and we all know that revision three is the correct revision
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd have to agree i'm i'm building my 3d printer Um, i'm working on the the large format 3d printer and um i think for the uh, x rail i'm up to revision three for the for, for the brackets and uh i think revision three is the one so I would, I would agree with you. Three revisions is probably what's best.
1: Yeah, I, I actually learned all the stuff uh, when I was uh, in my 20s, uh, which is way, way back. And uh, then I uh, moved over to cars. I uh, thought that was much more fun uh, uh, to work on cars for a while. And then uh, more or less work took over. So... Uh, I left that uh, that field as well, but uh, now uh, uh, about five years ago I returned uh, to electronics. Uh, I decided I needed a new hobby uh, that works uh, uh, during winter as well. Uh, I do play golf uh, but in Sweden you can't play golf uh, when you live uh, where I live uh, during the winter because we have snow and stuff. and. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work. So I, I was looking for a new hobby and then I realized, uh, okay, I may, I played around with electronics when I was young. I was uh, uh, quite advanced. I, I was etching my own boards and, and, and so on and uh, did uh, analog stuff as well, which I... I I wouldn't try analog stuff <laughs> now because it's really like like unicorns, uh, unicorns and wizards uh, in play. So uh, I I was started uh, five years ago and uh, bought some Arduino's and started to fiddling around and uh, and uh, that that was a nice relaxing hobby for me, but. Uh, Uh, I am a part owner of of another corporation that uh, uh, did uh, automation stuff uh, for industrial use. And uh, the other part owners came to me and said, Hey Johnny, we we have a very, very good idea. We we will start doing IOL sensors and stuff. Uh, You know uh, something about that. So we want you to, to make the boards for us yeah there that, that goes my hobby again <laughs> Damn. So, so then i have to start doing commercial stuff instead and ruining uh, my my new uh, fine uh, relaxing hobby so i did that for uh, for like three years and then i told them uh, no, I, I don't want to do that in this anymore so uh, i took back uh, my electronics hobby
0: Well, that's good. Uh, At least you took it back. Some people would have just kept grinding at it until they became sick of it. And then that's it. You need a new hobby.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to to get into that position. So I told them, uh, here is a guy. It's actually a guy that I I met in a live stream uh, who happened to live in Sweden. So I had a meeting with him and, and saw what he was doing and what he has done before. so." We we actually hired him to do my job.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So it pays off uh, hanging out in live streams uh, sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And on top of that, you get to uh, you get to laugh along with Bit So why not?
1: Yeah, certainly.
0: <laughs> I I find it strange that I, for the population that Sweden has, which is relatively low, I follow a lot of Swedish YouTubers and. I seem to bump into Swedish people online a lot. What is, what is it with the internet and, and Swedish people? Are you guys just a internet savvy population? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, we, we got internet uh, uh, very early compared to other countries. We had uh, a, a guy here in Sweden that uh, started up uh, uh, an internet uh, company and, and started selling internet very, very cheap. So he set the price, it was like uh, a fourth uh, of uh, the price uh, uh, previously. And uh, he, he, uh, he had uh, a lot of money behind him, so uh, he actually managed to more or less uh, internet ice Sweden. So uh, internet got very, very cheap, so everyone uh, could have it in Sweden very early on. And uh, th- this, is, uh, th- this is even now uh, present because uh, we, we, we never had uh, uh, any caps on our internet usage uh, for normal cabled uh, uh, internet in Sweden. They, that, that's only in uh, mobile uh, uh, internet. And also uh, we had uh, another company that uh, uh, actually dig uh, fiber cables all over Sweden until their money ran out and they had to sell the company and that made uh, uh, fast internet possible uh, e- even uh, if you didn't live uh, inside the city so it was uh, interesting times
0: I wish it was like that in Canada here uh, we had Bell a um, telecommunications company They uh, cashed a whole bunch of government grants to bring telephone service, like landline service, to all Canadians. And they came back once they burned all the money. They said, yeah, uh, no more money. So, you know, all the people we promised to give phone service to, yeah, we did like 10% of it. And then the government gave them another grant. And then the same thing. There's still Canadians today that don't have landline service. And, and it's the same thing with the uh, internet. They did the same thing. They cashed government checks to run fiber everywhere and they ran fiber like to only about 10% of the places they promised to. It's, it's absolutely insane. And our telecommunications telecommunic- prices are through the roof. I have uh, four gigs of data on my cell phone and I'm paying something like $92 a month Canadian Uh, on my cell phone plan taxes included it's it's ridiculous it's insane here i i wish it was more like sweden
1: yeah my uh i recently rego (laughs) i recently got a new contract on my uh, phone and uh, i think i pay uh, like uh, 50 us dollar or something and i have two sim cards with unlimited uh, internet on so I can use it in in a computer and, and in my phone at the same time. It's a big difference.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm extremely jealous. Even the Americans they have uh, they have monopolies down there too, or oligopolies, just like we have. But at least they have like Google Fi or whatever Google Voice that has like a, a really good deal, but it's only for Americans. Because here there's a protectionist racket. The CRTC is a government organization that protects the big companies. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, here, here it's more the opposite. We have uh, plenty of different internet service providers and they're all competing with price. It works very, very well.
0: Well, before my blood boils, we need to move off telecommunications. But I do have a question that I ask every single one of my guests. And so I'll shoot it to you. Um, so the setup is you have a government corporation or a government uh, entity that gives you a grant to start your own business it does not have to be profitable but it does have to provide a service or a product what kind of business do you start
1: i think actually i would uh, create some entity that uh, makes it easy for uh, makers uh, to set up makerspaces spaces locally in, in uh, different places not sure how that would work but uh the end goal being uh, that uh, younger people uh, can be exposed to uh, to actually making things they sell themselves, and, uh, maybe learn how to to uh, fix broken things. I don't think any younger people today knows uh, how to fix anything. Actually, it's just uh, uh, throw it away and buy uh, buy something new instead. That that really. Uh, That really sucks.
0: It definitely sucks. And the thing is, there's nothing stopping anybody from opening like a repair shop where you can bring your stuff in to get fixed. But the only thing is the the amount of labor you would have to charge in order to fix something. And that's what makes it cost prohibitive. Like electronics got so cheap in the last uh, 10, 15 years, 20 years, that even if, you know, a five cent capacitor would fix it, you still need to pay someone an hour to diagnose it, open up the case, solder a new capacitor, and close it all up. And around here, even like let's say you get your car fixed, we we charge it. Where I work is 145 dollars an hour plus tax. So as long as your TV is is worth less than you know 100, you know 200 dollars or whatever, it's not even worth fixing.
1: Well, that's very true. But I I have a friend that uh, uh, had a Wi-Fi access uh, point, an expensive $200 uh, Wi-Fi point, uh, and he had a thunderstorm. So uh, it didn't work anymore, so he went to buy a new one. But uh, then he realized that the only thing that was actually broken was the power plug. (laughs) So (laughs) he wasted the $200. But it turned out he does he he doesn't even have a multimeter, so he couldn't even check if uh, what part of of it was broken.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that should be a a given. Like we should we should have some sort of high school class that teaches like the basics of you know uh, fault finding. It doesn't have to be anything special. I mean, if you plug the power pack in and the little LEDs don't come on, try a different power pack. Like that that should be something that everybody knows and and i'm not begrudging anybody for not knowing that i'm saying the system failed if if you know not everyone knows that
1: certainly i i found it amusing i asked so you don't even have a multimeter no what is that okay but he's in my at my age so uh, yeah he, he has also uh, uh he was working as a salesman uh, for uh, a embedded systems compiler uh, company. So uh, he, he really knows uh, how how to uh, to do anything uh, in the embedded world. So I, I'm very surprised he didn't check that one.
0: Yeah, that is a bit that is a bit strange, huh? but I guess it's the way our, our brains work, right? I think makers in general are interested in the inner workings of things. So even if we don't know specifically, I think we, we'd have that curiosity to go look for it. And not everyone has that curiosity. I think that's that's one of the big deals with the, the makers. They're all pretty curious. I don't know if you'd agree.
1: Yeah, that has been one of my driving factors since I was young. I was uh, always uh, taking a screwdriver and, and uh, pulling things apart to see how it works inside. I wasn't uh, always uh, as good as uh, to to actually make it work after my tear down, <laughs> but but I learned a lot.
0: Do you watch uh, AVE at all? I do not. Okay, because he he has this philosophy that when you take something apart, it needs to spend a couple of months on the healing bench <laughs> before uh, you put it back together.
1: That, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Look, uh, usually around this time in the podcast, I would be plugging my guests, um, you know, like channel and stuff. I I mean, you guys should go subscribe to Johnny, but do you have anything specific you want to, you want to plug in this, uh, this episode?
1: Nah, just follow me on uh, Twitter.
0: Oh, okay. And uh, I'll put your handle right on the screen here. And um, other than that, like, um, how about, uh, how about telling the people which youtubers they should go subscribe to then if uh, if not just yours
1: well you should definitely subscribe to a bit loony, but he only posts a video once a month so uh, it's not that uh, uh, that much to see uh, and also Brian Locke is uh, also uh, not putting out any videos unexpected maker is the same so I think you should go uh, watch uh, simple electronics instead
0: Yeah. Well, most people that are listening to this should should at least be subscribed to me. But uh, other than that, I guess I'll pick them up along the way. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for joining me and uh, spending some of your precious vacation time uh, making a podcast episode.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: And you listeners out there, you should definitely pay attention to what uh, Johnny is saying. You should go subscribe to Bitlooney, Brian Locke, Unexpected Maker, um, and you should also subscribe to Johnny's channel so we can get him back up to uh what what was it 47k what were
1: you saying 56.7k
0: yeah okay we need to get back up to uh, up to we get get back up to 57k for sure
1: <laughs> yeah I, w- I want that uh, 100k subs
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the dream isn't it
1: yeah isn't that all uh, youtubers dream about
0: Oh yeah definitely. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we're going to catch you in the next episode.
1: Yeah, thank you.